that time's yours. Before we get fully into today's episode of Time's Ours, I, uh, frankly, I think I need to announce something, and I really need to tell you two something in particular. I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. You've probably heard all three of us on this podcast before. If you're new here, thanks for being here. Um, but there's, I just have egg on my face, guys. Um, you may have been wondering why I have had a full-on camera crew following me at the radio station, mm. um, when I had my long walk around the parade, at home, um, in every room of my house, cameras set up everywhere, boom mics everywhere. Um, I've been paying for this camera crew to follow me this entire time, this entire season. And then I went to Netflix and I was like, hey guys, I've got this really great idea and all the footage is done. You guys have to edit it. Um, do you want to buy this from me? And then like I was at the Netflix doorstep, which seems impossible. This how this works. I was at the doorstep of Netflix Incorporated when I saw the tweet that they were doing a freaking NFL quarterback show. <laughs> I spent all this money on this camera crew and all these audio professionals. Thousands, tens of thousands of dollars all season long. They followed me everywhere. They followed me into the bathroom. I said, look, it's all about all access. And so now, now I have all this footage, nothing to do with it. And Netflix doesn't even want it. You know, Substack does great things. Uh, I Look, I'm hoping that, I don't know if The Athletic wants to start getting into, uh, I was going to say short films, but frankly, I think we've got like, we've got The Irishman here. I mean, we've got a minimum <laughs> four hour movie showing you the nitty gritty of how podcasts get made. What I, I, I'm sorry, I know Nate normally jumps in first, but I just want to point out that I'm assuming completely on accident, you just went through a side plot line in the hit uh, early 2000s movie, Along Came Polly, featuring Ben Stiller, Jennifer Aniston, and the late great, why, oh, I'm not going to remember his name, this is going to drive me crazy. This, oh, some people are getting so mad at me right now. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Seymour Hoffman, yes, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You... The, and I'm sorry. You would be name. right that this is an accident because I I have not seen the film. I mean, yeah, perfect, perfect. Just like you perfect. literally described a plot line in that movie. I'm dead serious, and I've never. So been what you're telling me is that I thought Netflix got me, and actually I was got in 2004. <laughs> it keeps getting worse. What? How did you know? Um, not even love, this bit was original. We we uh, love we love you, Josh. I just want to know what your reaction was not to just that hey there you know Netflix is going to take on another project that that features quarterbacks but specifically Marcus Mariota <laughs> yeah former, no, that, one, former, that one probably stung a little former Atlanta Falcons quarterback yeah officially former Free. yeah that was um yes that was a tough pill to swallow, but I thought, hey, you know what? Like, he's kind of a journeyman quarterback at this point and seems like he might be, you know, kind of interesting somewhere under there under all that quarterback shine. Um, and so really, <laughs> like, Mahomes and Marcus Mariota getting billing over me is not a problem at all. I, I fully understand why and how that happens. Yeah. Um, it's just the two of them, right? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see Marcus Mariota's perspective uh, yeah, because he was, he was highly – touted he was amazing in college guys amazing um and his style has not necessarily fit the nfl's play style to the to the best that we sort of projected at the time um you sure. could honestly say poor coaching along the way um and hey look yeah guys get interesting hurt. story you know guys get hurt because like it's violent and it's football and you know mm-hmm. um i think there's three josh and um, three quarterbacks? Yeah, three quarterbacks. Oh. They get like, oh God, Lamar would have been fascinating this oh, year. I mean, man. So many young up-and-comers. I don't know anything about Justin Herbert. I'm, Joe Burrow loves the camera. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't – none of those guys would make me feel bad about getting passed over by Netflix. You know, I've sure. seen Josh Allen's chin uh, yeah. several times via Gillette, so uh, yeah. shout out to them. Um, but, no, it's, 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 it's surprisingly none of those guys. Oh, um, oh, Russell Wilson would be funny, I guess. Was it him? It's um, it's two-time franchise tagged, three times bank legend, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk 
Sorry, man. I think the I think Zoom did the thing where your voice got like hit a weird pitch and it just blacked out. I'm sorry. I, oh, man. That, I definitely heard it wrong. What was the third quarterback? You know what? Here, hang on. Let me answer your question with a question, Josh. Sure. You want to learn about getting them checks? Yeah, no, I mean, sure, that definitely sounds good. It's just a... You want to learn how to revolutionize your industry, not in a way that's related to how you do things in your industry, but how you get people compensated in your industry? Yeah, this sounds great, man. Who's this? I'm sorry, who's this third quarterback? Hey, man. It's trend-setting. Yes. Crawling so so everybody can walk and run. (laughs) Yeah, the the legendary... Chase Daniel? The the man who checks down so other people can throw beyond the sticks. Oh, Alex Smith's getting it up. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> your your guy, Kirk Cousins. Kirk. Are you kidding me? Are you what? <laughs> what? You know, if we lose, like we, we lose. Getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It felt like we were getting too big at the end, but nope, nope. Me too. So I'm I, happy about I gotta it. look. I gotta look up the quote now. But go ahead, fellas. Are you telling me that Kirk? Cousins. I don't know his middle name. If I knew it, I would have said it just now. But I don't because I don't know or care about anything involving Kirk Cousins. I know everything Kirk, about Kirk Cousins. I don't like that! Kirk Daniel yeah, Cousins. Daniel? Kirk Daniel Cousins. Yeah. Normal ass middle name. Hey, 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 hey. Kirk Daniel. Oh, I'm done. I'm just... <laughs> Kirk you know, Daniel, Daniel Kirk I would have die, been the, is a better quarterback. I die, cousins. I, I die, I die. If, if I, I die, die, I die. If I die, I die. I'm not going to touch that part. I just want to speak on behalf of dudes everywhere who provide the most milk toast answer to questions, except that one particular question. Everywhere. Like, Kirk Cousins' favorite color is probably some kind of beige. And you know what? <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> look, guys, he, he really did. Like like Seth said, look, man, if he's checking down, Derek Carr is out here trying to go over the top. <laughs> did I see Derek Carr with my own two eyes today? Walking with the determination of a man looking to be somebody's leader? You're damn right I did. Beautiful. Yeah, Nate's at the Combine, everybody. Yep. Oh, yeah, and, and so that means Derek Carr's at the Combine. Yes. I suppose How was the hair? Like, Did he have a weird Vegas, like, raidery haircut, or no. is he going... No, he all business. Trimmed business up, up top, business in the back. Okay. He, he trimmed up, he groomed, the moisturizer is glistening, he is ready to be somebody's chosen moisturizer one. is glistening. It really did. Even before that, it did, before the moisturizer, it did sound like you were describing a quarterback who is like the the one relatively stable option at the bar. And it's it's already pretty late for a few suitors. So it's just Derek Carr's just at the bar, just looking looking down at the Jets. He's, he's not, not offering to buy a drink just yet, just looking down. Look, Derek Carr is there before happy hour starts, okay? <laughs> Oh, Derek Carr is a little too afraid to go home alone. Yeah. So, you know, just on a side note, shout out to Derek Carr for not signing off on the Raiders trading him to someone. That never course, made any yes. sense. Yes. Shout out to him. Yes. Kirk Cousins would never. Kirk Cousins would be like, yeah, <laughs> didn't really want. Honestly, no, it, I've noticed a swing. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins wants a sign and trade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, can, you can gut my future team. Yeah, sure. You know what? If Kirk Cousins <laughs> gets put on a team with a terrific offensive line, the man can sling it. Just don't don't ask him to do other stuff. You know what I mean? He is somehow Kirk Cousins is interesting on this Netflix show. Oh. This is this is going to be Patrick Mahomes winning Super Bowls to my Troy Aikman. Because I would bet a legacy on this being the worst part of this show. I have a prediction that at some point on this, and I say this in the most loving way possible towards (laughs) Kirk Cousins. Because, hey, fellow Minnesotans, Kirk's never done any wrong by me, I don't think. I mean, maybe. It's hard to say. But is 100% possibility that Kirk Cousins grills at some point for his family and that he makes his burgers medium well. That is, I have never been more sure of anything in my life 
Yeah. Then that that will happen. Yeah, that's a great call. An upsettingly <laughs> great call. Oof, yeah, man, man. Gasto. Maybe even well Gasto. done. You it's know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that's. Oh boy, I think that's gonna be outside. But like, where he's gonna look uncomfortable with the spatula in his hand, right? And and hey, some of us are. I have never learned the art of grilling or cooking. So, yeah. <laughs> Medium ten well, minutes. And, ten and, minutes and forty eight seconds, and we've got along came Polly and ragging on, on on Kirk Cousins and being surprisingly congratulatory towards Derek Carr. Yeah, yes, look, I mean, yes. this show doesn't hate. This show doesn't hate like everyone for no reason. It's just sometimes guys break through, and this is a you know a Derek Carr appreciation show right now. And I can't wait to watch Kirk Cousins put a burger with absolutely no seasoning on it right on that grill, <laughs> wait about five minutes too long, pull that no. thing off, and then gnaw on it like a dog. No. I think that's, it's going to no. be that that white people taco night TikTok. <laughs> oh, man. If Kirk Cousins has taco night as a part of this show, we're going to have to we're going to have to do a whole episode about it. <laughs> we, we've got salsa from the grocery store. We've got chips from the grocery store. That is one of the that's about as hard as I've ever laughed because I didn't realize that my family was doing taco night wrong until I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a tough, that was tough sledding for me. The internet teaches us lots of things. And I was yes, like, it does. well, doesn't everyone, does not, so everyone does not buy taco shells from the grocery store and the reg, and the meat from the grocery store and the seasoning from the grocery store and the lettuce from the grocery store. Apparently that's not the way everyone does taco night. <laughs> this is going to be a very, know that. no, this, I think you're going to have a lot of allies on this one would be my guess. I also have not seen this TikTok you're talking about because- oh. In a few very, uh, a very, very few aspects of our lives, I'm actually older than you are. Not literally, of course. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. When it comes to TikTok. Yeah. Although I think, I, you're... I, I think these days, I think I think I could be wrong. It's my wife who's doing it. I think we're watching Instagram shorts because Instagram was like, hey, how come we're not getting these checks from these like two yeah. second videos? Um, and so maybe it's Instagram. I have no idea. Well, uh, you're watching vertical videos that last an indeterminate amount of time. And for some reason, your brain won't let you look away. That's the important part. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm really done watching these. I just 14 more, 15, more, <laughs> you know, five more from here. If um, I can just get through these five unfunny ones, there'll be yes. a real gem here eventually. Yeah, exactly. And then as soon as it's funny, it's like, well, one more. I mean, that one was so good. Well, I can't end on a non-funny one. Anyway, um, let's uh, <laughs> let's really get down to business here. I mean, look. It's the it's combine week. I'm honestly Nate. I'm just happy to hear your voice, man. Um, yeah, and, and I'm hoping to hear it at the end of the combine as well, and to see if there's quite as much joy. In it. Um, because Woo. this this seems like a fun time to be, you know, in NFL media, and also like the smoke screeniest, most uh, NFL on top of NFL, turn it up yes. to eleven type of event ever. Um, you've already told us about seeing Derek Carr. That's stupendous. We heard from Andy Reid and Brett Veach today. Um, since our last episode, Matt Nagy was announced, unsurprisingly, as a new offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. And today, Andy Reid sort of like uh, soft launched uh, David Girardi as the new quarterbacks coach. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator, I believe, um, going into this last season. So Nagy at OC, Girardi as quarterbacks coach. Um, anything uh, super interesting or irrelevant from that that jumped out to you, Nate? Um. I really haven't talked to uh, Mr. Uh, Girardi yet, so be fascinating to see what his thoughts are when we get to the OTA period, um, when we have a, a a little bit of a better idea what the roster is. Obviously, some of those practices are before the draft. Um, one other bit of information that I put out on Twitter is um, it's looking more and more likely that Greg Lewis, the uh, former running backs now, or excuse me, former receivers coach, now running backs coach, probably not going to be on the coaching staff this season. At least that that's the sort of the indication I got talking to a few people um, in the organization. With reports and, being that, that he would follow Eric Bieniemy to Washington, right? Correct. Like and and Washington put out um, like half of its coaching staff today, uh, which I'm like, why don't you, why don't you wait till everybody signed? But all right, <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, Cause I looked and Greg Lewis's name is not on that, even though he interviewed with him last week. And yeah, um, Andy Reid didn't, you know, when given the opportunity, when I asked him directly, he never said, oh, and if it doesn't work out, you know, with Washington, then he's back with us. Those words did not come out of his mouth. So I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs are interviewing 
um, wide receiver coaches. Um, if they obviously they could keep Joe Blaymeyer at that position, um, but Blaymeyer has actually moved around a couple times. So you know, if they want to get a new running backs coach, that's a possibility too. Um, if you want to go the more traditional route, so that might be something I sort of uh, matriculate on as the week moves on. But no, it's it's a fun week. Um, it's really fun right now because it's Tuesday. Thursday and Friday are going to be a, <laughs> an absolute emotional gauntlet. Um, the you know the NFL does a wonderful job marketing this event. Uh, I love Indianapolis. Absolutely love it. It is my second city. As some people know, I used to cover the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. Um, so it's my kind of town. They have moved the quarterbacks who used to talk either today or Wednesday. They moved them to Friday. They have, tra- <laughs> they have trapped us in this in this city <laughs> for an entire week. Hey, you want to talk to coaches? In, you want to talk to coaches and geos on Tuesday? Great. And then usually, hey. Here are the quarterbacks. Nah, you're going to have to wait till Friday when everybody's already drunk and got such a bad <laughs> headache and is trying to get over the annual hardest, you know, I mean, hangovers that you can imagine. While asking, see, while asking CJ Stroud, how you doing in the pocket, dog? And asking Bryce, how many burgers and steaks have you had this week? So that's where we are. It truly is the combine um, that it, to, to be Bryce Young right now. I mean, what a dream like where it's just, I, hey, man, just just put on pounds <laughs> and then get back in shape in time for your pro day and then don't get on a scale again. Yep. And, and by the way, no one has seen him yet. It's been kind of one of those quiet things that has been matriculating throughout most reporter conversation is when is when is he going to show up? Because, of when course, he's done eating 17 pounds of bacon. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna That's show like, up in a puffy jacket, you know, yeah. like a full like winter, like a, really a onesie. And people, yep. you know, people because Anthony Richardson, who is both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen combined, with a little <laughs> the little sprinkle of Cam Newton, um, people are like saving themselves for their zippers on on whenever these quarterbacks <laughs> throw. They're just like <laughs> like they are. They're, they're going through maybe, you know, emotional cleanses. They're obviously uh, grooming themselves. They've obviously put on the good stuff. And they're just waiting. They're just waiting to have an absolute orgasmic experience if Anthony Richardson <laughs> is who he is, who we think he is. Because I've never seen a prospect at the end of the college season. And I know I'm sort of dating myself. Never seen a quarterback prospect. Because some people would say, well, what about Mahomes? Which is like, cool, but like he had the Texas Tech. He, he People just, they weren't ready. They they were not radicalized and the, the revolution had not begun, y'all. But since then, I have never seen a prospect go from like, hey man, that might be some good value at, you know, me a second round. You know, a little, little shaky at times. Don't know what the hell they were doing in Florida. Which, still to this day, don't know what the hell they was doing at Florida. To before he actually works out at the combat, you know that's a top ten pick, right? Dog, nothing has changed. But we all ready. We're all ready to see it, Anthony. Go here, show us. We're the pendulum with quarterbacks. It's kind of interesting in terms of physical skills. We're seeing the pendulum swing back. Um, you had like it, it was always, um, you know, maybe the cerebral should always be super valued, of course, with quarterbacks. But the super freaky physical talent, um, Jamarcus Russell killed that for like a, decade. a generation. A decade. Yeah. Because <laughs> like I, I went back and I watched some Jamarcus Russell LSU stuff. I don't remember how long ago, but it was within the last <sighs> calendar year. Man, that dude was like, it was like, hey, but what, what if you had Patrick Mahomes, but like, you know, 30 more pounds of pure muscle. And it was like, what? Like, what? What do you mean? Like, you know, Josh Allen, but with a stronger arm and bigger. And you're like, wait, that doesn't even make sense. Like that dude, <laughs> he told me he could throw the football 200 yards. I'm like, yep, that checks out. He chopped out a tree by throwing footballs at it. Yep, checks <laughs> out. Um, so you, but you know, obviously that didn't work out for a variety of reasons. And so then the pendulum swings, right? Because the NFL is very reactive and very, especially when it comes to perceived risk. 
And so now Patrick Mahomes, I would put forth, and people can talk about Josh Allen, I get that. But I think Patrick Mahomes, it was not that long ago that people were just, oh, he's too raw. Yeah, he's just toolsy and just kind of a, you know, blah, 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 where it was almost a bad thing to be a unique athlete. Mm. It was almost a bad thing. But now after what's happened with Mahomes and Josh Allen especially, and then Lamar Jackson's success, like now it's like Anthony a- Anthony Richardson, I've watched some of the clips. Whew. Um, but like five years ago, I think people are like, oh yeah, it could be a steal in round two or three. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, oh, it's an alien. and that that really is where the nfl is at right now people have watched the last few years of football we all know the divisional round playoff game with the with the bills and the chiefs that really was i think a seminal moment in the national football league where people were like what are we supposed to do about that and then you know okay well you can have a joe burrow who's also an unbelievable quarterback oh and also is throwing the ball to an almost impossible to replicate receiver group you can do that, or you can try to have a really killer defense. But hey, look, that doesn't even work because then Mahomes will put still they'll still hang thirty eight on you in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so they see like what what do you do? And I've actually talked to to circle all roads lead back to Kirk Cousins ultimately. Oh, <laughs> oh, perfect. And I talked to my 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 Minnesota fan friends about this kind of thing and family. You know, shout out to you people who love the Vikings. Where, like, they'll watch the Super Bowl, you know, or they'll watch, you know, a Mahomes game. And Mahomes isn't fair, right? He's one of one. Um, Something we should actually talk about at some point on this podcast, how Mahomes, for the first time in his career, is really at the total and utter unquestioned number one spot. Like, no one else is in the zip code right now. I'm not sure that's happened for him before. But anyway, when they're watching these games with me, or, you know, I'll call them, talk to them afterwards. I'm like, so what do you think, like, you know... When you've got a quarterback who Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback, he's a good quarterback. But what do you like? And their answer is always, well, you basically have to catch lightning in a bottle with the roster. And then, yeah, then you've got a shot. But basically, you need aliens. That's where we're at at this point. It's like, uh, what, what's his name? The 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 dude in Milwaukee for the NBA. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> um. I've I've seen that dude. Like I, I gotta be honest. Like if that dude walks, gets off the bus, it's like, uh, do do we have anyone that looks like that? <laughs> what exactly are we supposed to do? It's like back in the day, like like Nate and Josh is before your time. You remember when Shaq went to the Lakers and was like, you know what? I've decided I've had enough of this, and whipped himself into crazy in good big dude shape, and averaged like you know. 32, 15, 10, and 5 for like three years. It's that. You need an alien. This isn't the proper place to end this topic, but it's so wild to me that Jamarcus Russell played three years and never again. Like, And maybe it ends up going back to him like not necessarily wanting to continue playing, but um, like, imagine just... Like, Jared Goff got another shot, and obviously he was better than Jamarcus Russell was. I'm just going number one overall picks who aren't with mm-hmm. the original team anymore. But yeah. but Tyler Thigpen ended up with more touchdowns and fewer interceptions out of that same draft class than Jamarcus Russell. Get out of town. Jamarcus Russell, 28 uh, passing touchdowns, 23 passing interceptions. Tyler Thigpen, the last quarterback taken in that draft, 21 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Not including rushing ones. He also got one. He yeah. did catch one from Mark Bradley, if I recall. I think that's right. That's a great poll. <laughs> I, I, I remember what things were like before Andy. <sighs> I do, but I'm, it's bleeped up because I remember the Tyler Thigpen era very fondly because it was just at least kind of fun for some reason. Oh, yeah. What Yeah. What are we going to do? Man, my name's Chan Gailey, and we're going to run the <laughs> pistol. That's what we're going to do. And for yeah. a little bit, I was like, ah, oh, hey, this is kind of working. That used to be our standard for fun football, and it's now different. Yeah. I just I just want to remind Pacer fans that in the 2000 game one of the NBA finals, Shaquille O'Neal had 43 points and 19 rebounds. And then in game two, you know, when teams are forced to make adjustments, Shaquille O'Neal had 40 points and 24 rebounds. <laughs> 24 rebounds. 
there's nothing to do there. <laughs> there's yeah. nothing you can do. He was 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 2020 or 2020 was 2000. Was that the year they they? No, no, they didn't play the. What, what year did they play the Sixers in the finals? Was that 01? That was 01. And it, I have never. It, it's worse. Oh, yeah. oh no, I remember because I really wanted that Sixers team to win. How much worse? Oh, well, I'll double check. Here we go. Uh, 2001 finals. I just like they had to Kimbe Mutombo, who was, I believe, the defensive player of the year that that season. And it, it yeah, did not. He played it well. Didn't go well. Uh, Lakers no. won all four uh, games, two, three and four and five. Um, you know, Iverson actually scored the most points in that playoffs, uh, which wow. tells you how great he was. He probably took 600 shots in those five games. <laughs> and I love Allen Iverson. I will. Allen Iverson was, I mean, he was the most influential player outside of Michael Jordan. Man, I can't think of anyone yeah. else who'd be. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have, you have to realize that um, Kobe obviously got a lot better from uh, 2000 to 2001. So it does yep. diminish Shaq's greatness a little bit in terms of the raw stats um but yeah so pretty game, good. i got his playoff by years log up and it's it, all stupid in game one and two of the 2001 nba finals because that's what you came here for shaquille o'neal had 20 rebounds in game one 20 rebounds in game two against the kimbe Matumbo. yeah he just no the the the, the sheer stupidity of what he was capable of at his peak and i apologize to everyone for leading us down this path this is on me i i understand it but really this is the nfl that we're in now is you need to have an alien 33 points and 15 rebounds in almost five assists in the series (laughs) 33 points i just anytime like rebounds almost people don't remember people don't remember what that looked like give him the ball on the block oh that's two (laughs) And if he wanted, he he also averaged three point four blocks per game. So yeah, unbelievable player, but really a, a Phoenix Suns legend. We can all agree on that. <laughs> and that's and that's where the NFL is at right now is the alien world where you can have because like like here's an example. I mean like Jalen Hurts, he's close to an alien, but it still wasn't enough. What can you do? I love it. I love it so much. He's so he's like a Star Wars like humanoid alien, right? Like if you're almost an alien, I'm, you don't have extra arms, you know? That I'm trying to figure out what almost an alien would look like because this show hasn't been weird enough yet. He he would be like a human who is so incredibly he's Anakin, he's Anakin he's, Skywalker. He's pod racing. He has the midichlorians, yeah. but he's not an alien. <laughs> he's pod racing. Yeah, he ain't Yoda. What yeah. do you do when everyone is a, in a league of Yodas? <sighs> I like it. That works. I did too. Um, let me ask you this then, Seth. Just a, boy, I told you guys before the show. I was like, we're really, if we, if we, you know, if we stick to it, I actually, I weirdly have like a full on outline of where this show could go, like topics flowing into one another. It would really work out. I never thought that would happen. And frankly, I never wanted that to happen. But like, I, I'm looking at my list right now. So Seth, uh, the segue I had written down was, um, Anthony Richardson to Jamarcus Russell to Shaq to Star Wars to man, how good was Brett Veach in rebuilding this roster? I mean, oh, so it's good. like it's like he got plans sent to him from the future. You know, like he could have traveled light years to a galaxy far, far away to scout. I don't know, man. You wrote about Brett Veach. You can talk about it. I did. I wrote about, you brought about us to the Shaq conversation. You come up with a segue. This is hard. Um, it's really hard. <laughs> I just, I think it's just appropriate as we move into the next phase of the off season, I'm starting the, if I were Brett Beach series, you should probably get that tomorrow is my guess. Cause it's salary cap fun, which, you know, if we have time wait. to talk about, I have a feeling we might not. We'll do it and next week. We'll talk about it next can, week. When, when yeah. out. They can, they can do some stuff cap wise, but I, I did take some time to celebrate bed, Brett Beach because this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57 was like his Super Bowl. In more, way more so than 54. Because 54, you look at that roster top to bottom, and there's a lot of John Dorsey's guys still there. Which makes sense, because John Dorsey brought a lot of talent. To yes. City. Yes. And so, while while Veach got some praise, because he, and he really does deserve some credit for revamping a defense from 18 to 19. 
to go from god-awful to average, but that was partly the arrival of Steve Spagnolo as well. But this roster, if you really, like, if you break it down, yep, the, the, the top three guys are still, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones. Once you get past that, though, this is Brett Veach's roster, and it's, it's, it's so different from the 2019 roster. So I wrote about that just how not just in the draft, although that's like the biggest thing, like he just, he's crushed the draft, but he, he crushed, he's crushed the draft. He's rebuilt the offensive line. He reset at wide receiver in a really, I mean, just for lack of a better term, ballsy move, trading away Tyreek Hill and betting on, you know what? I bet if we get a couple guys that are decent players to above average players that have specific skill sets, I bet we'll be fine. And he was absolutely right. Trading for Kadarius Toney. I, I wrote this. If Tony never plays another snap for the Chiefs, he'll be worth what they gave up for him. A third round pick and a sixth round pick. Because he helped them win a couple games in the regular season that got them home field advantage. And he made a couple plays. Well, uh, let's be fair. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it mattered who was the receiver on that touchdown catch. <laughs> I feel like that could have been anyone, guys. <laughs> But that punt return, that could not have been anyone, and they needed it. Um, but even like little things, signing Carlos Dunlap, understanding how that it was time to move on from Tyron Matthew to Justin Reed, keeping the right stars. The contracts that Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mose, and Chris Jones are all on, Brett Veach was responsible along, you know, with, with their cap guy. He was responsible for those. There's a reason they're still in Kansas City. Brett Veach? is on an absolute heater right now. And I just like, his drafts keep getting better every year. There's no way this year, by the way, Chiefs fans. The 2022 oh, draft. Oh, you're going to you're going to you're going to tell them already? You're going to tell them? You're going to tell them already? It's not the expectation. You're going to tell you them already? You're not going to get that kind of draft class again. But I, but I want another Isaiah Pacheco Seth. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I want I, I, I want another draft class. McDuffie. <laughs> I want another Brian Cook. I need, I need another Leo Chanel. <laughs> you can't get eight contributors in a draft, and when, and not just eight contributors. Bums me out like, that you're not, you're not naming special core special teamer Nazay Johnson. Nine. No. Who, who, by the true. way, got got a shout out by Brett Veach today because he said, you know what, fellas, here's how good we do it. We even knew what we was getting when we picked up the car for Nazi Johnson. And then he went through the whole he went through the whole thing. Just like, hey, this guy got some fluidity to him, got some flexibility. I know he says cornerback. He might be a safety. He might be a safety. He might be a cornerback. But look, he fits all the traits. Knowledgeable team player. We knew who we was picking when we picked him on that day in the seventh round. And that was his that was his punctuation to answer a question about their draft process in the communication from general manager to head coach to coordinators to position coaches to scouts to national scouts to area scouts back to obviously where the players from the school standpoint and obviously making the pick, trusting the board and knowing that when we pick that player, even in the seventh round, we know exactly we have a very not exactly, but they have a very good idea as to what they're getting for the production, at least in the first to second year for that player in that role specifically. He mentioned, like, mentioning Najee Johnson. This, yeah, this what that's we, a flex. This what we do is basically what he would say. And and everybody in the group was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, next question. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't argue with the results. But seriously, Chiefs fans, for one thing, they had more picks. Don't. And don't expect that level. If they can get the kind of return that they got out of the 2020 draft, I'll be happy. Mike Dana, Legereus Sneed, Willie Gay Jr., give me three starters. That's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyway, just don't expect I, that. I have a crazy galaxy brain take that has just dawned on me. Okay. And if you think this sucks, you guys let me know because it just hit me. But here's, here's, maybe do expect it a little bit. Trent McDuffie, they traded up for first round corner who missed half the season, essentially, right? Yes. His production was important later on, but he didn't play for a huge chunk of the year. 
George Karloftis picked at 30, fell to 30 because people were like, yeah, he's going to, you know, motor guy and he'll be out there, but we don't know what his ceiling is. I would say he still overperformed those expectations, but but not by a factor of a billion. Sky Moore was not a huge factor in this offense. Brian Cook wasn't a huge factor in this defense, along with Leo Chanel, until the back end of the season. Chanel even more, even later on. Cook, I thought, was playing really good ball when he was out there, though. Um, and then Joshua Williams in the fourth, obviously, and Jalen Watson being the seventh. The Chiefs have gotten production out of corners in that range before, like relatively consistently, as much as anything like that can be counted on. Right. I, I, my my mixed take here is keep your expectations relatively high because the process that went into these guys. Like is re in each individual case was reasonable. The fact that they all had somewhere in the you know top half of outcomes is pretty good. Uh, but again, like if Skymore doesn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, we talk about his rookie season very differently. I think. I think we talk about it as being kind of a disappointment. And he was their third pick. He was the first offensive player they took in that draft. They traded back and let George Pickens get picked in front of them. Can I can I read you a quote from Daniel Jeremiah to Peter King about Anthony yes. Richardson? <laughs> <laughs> can I just I love read? that we have, that we are already here because I if if we were not covering a team with Patrick Mahomes, I would be so ready to throw away so much for Anthony Richardson. It's it's, it's a trouble. This is NFL draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, love him to death. Uh, he works for NFL Network. Um, he's talking to Peter King. This is, again, Daniel Jeremiah's quote on Anthony Richardson. Quote, if you're on an alien spaceship yes, and, and you land and you only watch Anthony Richardson's Utah game where he was 17 of 24 for 106 rush with 106 rushing yards. Jesus. And three rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Whew, let me say that one more time. If you're on an alien spaceship and you land and you only watch Richardson's Utah game. 17-24 with 106 rushing yards and three touchdowns. You think he's the best football player on the planet. <laughs> but the consistency is just not there. Not it's worried a, about it. Don't care. Not worried. It's a roller coaster ride that you go on. But there's a ton Hands of, up. Let's go. Am I on the <laughs> But there's a ton of talent in there. In quote. Perfect. Amazing. Daniel Jeremiah is not getting paid enough from this network. Incredible quote, sir. Incredible. Seth, your thoughts? I <laughs> All roads lead back to either Kirk Cousins or Anthony Richardson. That might be the new thing, but yeah. I do think, uh, I mean, it really is. It's been such a cool thing watching um, Veach kind of come into his own. And it's worth noting that every draft that the Chiefs have had since he, because what you're talking about is the process, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and some and on some level repeatability. Yeah. So here's what's interesting to me: every draft since he's gotten that process in place has been at least decent. Because the 2018 draft, if I recall, Dorsey gets let go, and it was the draft was not too long after that. This was not because because preparing for the draft and this is just I mean, I think people know this, but in case they don't that that's a year round thing for the GM's office. That is a you that's a system that you have in place starting the day after the last draft ended. Right. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, you know how how you assign scouts, where you assign them, how they communicate, what they're looking for, how they communicate with the coaches, all that stuff that, that you guys were describing there. Right. That all matters. It's not just there's too many players and there's too many voices in the room. You need to know what Spagnolo really wants, but you also need to know what his position. You need to know what Joe Cullen wants or who, you know, you, you need to know all these things and they need to communicate. Well, there's got to be a great system in place. So taking over a team and then doing the draft a month later or two months later, whatever it is, that's not your system. And the 2018 draft stunk. It stunk bad, guys. It stunk so bad that even after an old, a decent draft in 19 and a, a good, a pretty decent draft in 20 and a good draft in 21, people were still like, ah, I'm not really sure. Because then they because they kept looking back like, well, they traded up for Breland Speaks. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm sure Breland Speaks is a good dude. But, you know. Well, he's never off his feet. Thank you. Bro. Never on the ground. Yeah, never, never on, on the ground. ground. His beard's all I was like, oh, man, that's a dude who doesn't have a system in place yet. You know, yeah. that's a that's a the system's not in place yet quote. But anyway, so since then, because like even like the 2019 draft, which obviously Cole Hardman, people have a lot of feelings about this that, and the other thing, but he's been a useful player and they were in a weird spot. Juan Thornhill, good player. Colin Saunders, turns out, good player. He's just been hurt. Mm-hmm. Rashad Fenton, decent player. Darwin Thompson was going to be a superstar. Didn't work out. You know, what can you do? Nick Allegretti, useful backup lineman in the seventh round. Who's still here. Yeah, all yeah, three of those picks are good. That's not a bad draft. No. And then, obviously, you know, everything since then. So, I mean, I don't know. It's not, just, well, not, well, not everything since then. Everything since then. I can't find, <laughs> I'm looking at these drafts. <sighs> Yeah. And I can't find a single mistake, Josh. Not not one anywhere. There's not a single one. That's really impressive. I think so too. Now, now. Hey, I'm sorry, have... guys. You're gonna. Have, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, can you wrap up the show? I, I do have a fashion show in New York that I'm supposed to be at, like, <laughs> like five minutes ago. I got a dip. But if you guys love you guys, see you next year. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> That's that is that is not the move of a man who is thrilled with things, in my opinion. But. Who am I to say? I actually, speaking of not being thrilled with things, I haven't mentioned my wife yet this episode. That should have been your send-off, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my wife won't be thrilled with me if I mm. don't get going. So, mm. Brett Veach is on a heater, and I can't wait to talk about the salary cap next week. Brett Veach is on a heater. Seth's marriage is on the hot seat. Uh, we will uh, <laughs> do salary cap next week, and I, I look forward to that very much. See you guys. Uh, see you. Uh, with with <laughs> so much useful real analysis in there, Nate. And God, now that Seth's gone, I can't admit. I just I would love to do. I would love to do an Anthony Richardson podcast. And and I, I don't think I've watched a podcast worth of of his actual football playing. And I don't care. I'm in. <laughs> I don't. But care. <laughs> since this is technically a Chiefs podcast, still, um, I, I do want to circle back and see if there was anything else that, that did jump out to you from. The pressers today, hearing from Veach, kind of looking back at where this team is now, and you, you know, you've already mentioned a couple of things that you got to ask about and, and get answers from today. But is there anything in, in this roster construction conversation right now that that jumps out to you that we haven't touched on yet in terms of some big decisions they still have to make? And then the draft really is not that far away. Obviously, there are a lot of right. stuff for it still, but there there are going to be a lot of changes to this roster in the next two months. Yeah, and one of the like questions in this choose your own adventure is uh do you prioritize um retaining orlando brown and andrew wiley for the sake of potentially losing frank clark um that was pretty much how i felt today's conversations with brett veach went um in terms of the framing as to what these certain avenues might be um in the next few weeks obviously you know the New league year starts in a couple weeks in the middle of March. Obviously, that's when free agency starts. One thing that I think, obviously, I've written a lot about and we sort of all project is um, Orlando Baum is really valuable and he's going to be franchise tagged more than likely so that he never reaches free agency um, so that the Chiefs don't go into a bidding war to try to retain their own starting left tackle. Um, but with that, you need to actually create cap space. And this is where um, I know Seth is going to probably talk about this a little bit next week, but just you can create a lot of money with some contracts already on the on the table. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, how much you want to convert towards a signing bonus to create some more space. But look, Frank Clark can get the team 20 million if he uh, if he's released. I don't know how you can necessarily restructure a deal um, that gives you that much of a cushion um, that isn't obviously, you know, releasing him. So I think that's an interesting dynamic because Chris Jones made it very clear the night the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that he wants to continue playing with Frank Clark for all the reasons I think people understand why. But how they figure this out will be fascinating to me because they really should be looking at a lot of the offensive and defensive linemen in this year's draft class where that feels to be some of the strength 
Whereas in years past, it's been receivers, it's been cornerbacks. I think the cornerbacks are pretty good this year. Um, they all might have slightly different skill set than what the Chiefs value, especially towards that mid to late round Mason Dixie line. Um, <laughs> and there's actually a good amount of safeties in this draft too. So sometimes the draft class gives you a it gives you some comfort realizing that if free agency doesn't go particularly well, at least there's a plethora of you know players at that position to maybe go acquire in the trade or excuse me in the draft. So it's it's a fascinating situation because Brett Veach basically acknowledged today, Josh, that the Chiefs had pretty close to a flawless offseason last year. And the, and then you show up at the combine and they ask you, well, can you can you do it again? How are you going to do this again? Yeah, I can do this unprecedented thing one more time. And that uh, and that's th- their that's their objective now. This probably is, this question probably answers itself depending on if you think that franchise tagging Orlando Brown is basically a pause button or not, like, you know, a, a snooze button actually really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but but what is the first significant domino that you think is is going to fall or or needs to fall just in their planning? I'm not even saying you have to predict the result, but is it is it going to be Orlando Brown first? Again, the franchise tag will come around well before you know Chris Jones has to be extended. He doesn't. There's no deadline on him because he's got a year yep. left. But obviously, that is a big long-term move. Tagging Brown would just at the time be guaranteeing a big chunk of money just against this year's cap. You mentioned that that would have ramifications on where else you're getting your money from and all of that. So, is there a first thing that you feel like they have to get figured out before the rest of the pieces can come together, or is that just not the case? Is that a false a false like um, binary way of, of handling it. No, no, I don't think so. I I, I, I love the question because I think there's a two prong aspect to it. Um, if you are going to tag Orlando Brown, you probably need to have a real mature man to man conversation with Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. And that's what I asked Andy Reid today. Like, how was the exit interview? Was it different this year versus last year where he had obviously a a very disappointing 2021 season? Now he's back to, you know, um, being one of the top players at his position when you need him the most in the postseason. Like, how different is it? Um, Andy spent a ton of time. He spent the entire answering of my question saying how much he loves Frank Clark. Mm -hmm. Now, Josh... I'm going to handle this delicately to you and our audience. Every time I asked about Tyron Matthew, whether it was Mm. Andy Reid or Brett Veach, from the end of the 2021 season through the actual draft, what did Andy Reid and Brett Veach say every time I asked them about Tyron Matthew? Guessing they talked about how much they love Tyron Matthew. Yep. Now maybe Frank Clark's different. You know, last year he did he he did real sacrifice. He was the one that gave up the most money to stay on the team last year. That is a fact. Asking him to do it twice. Yeah. Cause the question now becomes what other team would be willing to make it uncomfortable to compete for Frank Clark's services now if he is released on the open market. What, Do you have what, an answer in mind, what, or are you just saying how many teams would there be? I'm saying it only has to be one, guys. You know, I I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand that, hey, man, this guy was really good on our team. I can't believe he went to that team. Yeah. Sometimes it really just comes down to one team saying – we want you, and this is this, and we know it's above your market. We know it's slightly outlandish. Christian Kurt, we know. Right. We got somebody got to get this money, and somebody got to get these targets. Um. So I don't know if someone says, "Hey, somebody's got to get these snaps, and somebody's got to get these pressures," and setting on the edge for us. I think the question that I need to think about, and I'm going to ask to you, Josh, is. And this is obviously for everybody else too. But how much money? What is a yearly average 
that will that you think will make the Chiefs uncomfortable if Frank Clark is released because obviously it creates twenty one million. Um, it helps them. You know, if you release Frank Clark, maybe it helps you retain Juju Smith-Schuster. I also think people need to start thinking about that as well. Like, yeah, these moves are multifaceted. They they have, you know, it it is really a, a flow chart in a lot of ways that can go in, in different ways. Um, but if you release Frank Clark, uh, what could X team offer that would make you and the Chiefs feel uncomfortable? I pulled up the Chiefs like cap sheet just to see if I can come up with like a quick comparison for anybody. And they have so few veterans locked up on this team next year at, at crazy prices or, you know, even semi high prices and nobody on the D line really other than, than Jones. Um, so I'll, I'll have to come back around on a specific number, but my, my hunch is that my number is probably lower than most chiefs fans. And that's not, that's not me and my priors on Frank Clark. I think I have fully proclaimed that, I was I was out on Frank Clark sooner than he was. Um, that playoff Frank Clark is a real thing, and that his legacy in Kansas City will reflect that, and it should. But I also do remember having pretty long chunks of this regular season where he was not particularly a factor. Um, I'll let Seth speak for himself when he's around, but I mean, I think I think he has said on multiple occasions, like Mike Dana was a better edge rusher over the course of the season. I think he said Carlos Dunlap was a better edge rusher over the course of the season. Um, if I could just sign Frank Clark for the playoffs, you know, maybe he goes to a playoff <laughs> team and then like signs a playoff only deal with the Chiefs, that'd be great. Um, but like if if we're eclipsing the, I don't know, five or six million dollar mark, I'm I'm mm. starting to blink, and I think I think someone probably pays him that, and I think the Chiefs would probably be wise not to. And that that might be a low number. I'm I'm not sure what you have in mind. It, it it's a little lower than I than than I'm thinking. I, I think yeah. I'm, I, I think be, because, that. you know, we talked about this before, because of the Super Bowl tax, because uh, a veteran of his status and his stature. Uh, by the way, I need to remind people, this is he's going into year nine at age 30. So this 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 might be it in terms of, this, yep. Yep. you know, real uh, an actual legit veteran contract. And so my thought was. Somebody's probably going to offer him eight million. That yeah, and that's and I would blink at that. And so the Chiefs might counter, for instance, because Brett Veach always likes to incentivize things because you are on a contending team, so it both incentivizes individual production and team success. Uh, look at the Juju Smith-Schuster contract uh, from this past season. I think the Chiefs might counter and say, "Hey, what about six with some incentives that get you to nine? Mm-hmm. That's where this may go, is all I'm saying. But if Frank Clark isn't here, maybe Andrew Wiley is, or Juju Smith-Schuster is, or maybe Carlos Dunlap is. I just, it's, these are where it gets really, really fun. And also, when the first domino happens, um, it can create it, it just can create so many different scenarios that you have to stay flexible and nimble and obviously have a lot of different plans but I don't think you can uh, look I might be proven wrong and that's okay I'm totally willing to uh, acknowledge that but I I just think you you can't franchise Orlando Ta- Orlando Brown without probably equating Frank Clark into all of this yeah um, two edge rusher numbers just from last year that are interesting and relevant. Melvin Ingram signed a one-year $4 million deal with the Dolphins, and Carlos Dunlaps with the Chiefs was one-year $3 million cap hit, everything all together. Those yes. are cheaper deals. Um, there's going to be $7 million of dead cap on Frank Clark's name anyway. That money's already paid out, so it's just it's just a prorated bonus. But I would, I would rather, and those guys are older than Clark, too, obviously, by a Correct. few years, um, which is, you know, in the price, but I I would rather bring back Carlos Dunlap and a, I mean he's almost he'll be he just turned thirty four I guess but I think I'd rather bring back Carlos Dunlap and a few million dollars and if I'm given that option, um and, but I've and also you, you know been I, I've I've cashed out on Frank Clark earlier than I should have a couple times so and if you want to split say that's seven six eight million yeah three or four of that could go to Carlos Dunlap and the other part can go to a controlled rookie wage scale contract 
at yep. the same yep. position. Yep. That's and that's so much of this is going to end up going back to the draft, and we're going to have a lot of time to look into all of that and, and prepare for the chief strategy. Maybe I'll mention again, you've already got written stuff up in the athletic right now about some of the, there's some mailbag stuff that we might pick through a couple more pieces on here, but um, all sorts of pre-draft stuff has already begun all over the athletic, including directly from Nate Taylor. So go check that out. If you are ready to, to feast your eyes on some, some draft content with everything you just sort of laid out there, Nate, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't get a little bit of my Nate radar beeping Okay. To to ask our, I you may just be saying that hey when uh, when Frank Clark and Orlando Brown moves happen they're going to happen in tandem or is there any chance that the Chiefs just jump straight into a long term deal with Orlando Brown before mm. the franchise tag deadline is up? Oh, uh, there's a greater chance of that happening this year than last year. And, sure, right. And, and Brett Beach said that out loud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, just for, you know, uh, keeping everything in line, the Chiefs have until uh, 3 o'clock on March 7th. That is the deadline as to whether or not you want to place the franchise tag on a player. Uh, we don't even – we don't necessarily need to get into, like, the transition tag or the, or the exclusive tag. It would probably be sure. the exclusive tag. Um but at some point, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, Brett Veach with a little Mark Berganzi, with a little Trichet, with a little Brent Tillis might, might have a chat with, uh, with Michael Portner, the agent for Orlando Brown, because that might happen uh, some point this week. And whatever the outcome is of that initial conversation may determine whether or not you can get something before March 7th that you feel strong enough about um, that you can get it done before. Uh, I need to check. I need to check the date and time here uh, myself. March 15th at three o'clock central time when free agency really begins. Mm. Now, as I've always told you, ladies and gentlemen, free agency started today. Right. Because Derek Carr was out here. Um, it's. If you want to have a flawless season, you pull this off now. Maybe Frank Clark has a chance. You know, Patrick what? Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes at one point. Told everybody who was willing to listen. Now I saved a little bit. On a half a billion dollars. <laughs> let me let me say that sentence one more time, y'all. I saved I saved the team a little bit of money when I signed for a half a billion dollars so that we could sign Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, if these cards play out a certain way, based on the dealer, maybe maybe. You know, maybe Frank Clark is thanking Orlando Brown for doing him a solid to keep the core together. God, that domino train there would be remarkable. This is what you're telling me is that there's at least a little chance that the Chiefs offseason plan is when somebody in front of you buys your food in a drive through and you're like, oh, I'll get the people behind me then. And then the Chiefs just do that until they have a 53 man roster with like 50 million dollars of cap space. Hey, that's what I'm hearing. Hey, hey, you know, we can all dream, right? We can all dream. Let me let me hit you with a few like real quick rapid fire questions as you're there in Indy and and when we'll do another show next week. I'm guessing we're not going to have new information on Chris Jones in the next seven days, right? No, no, like crazy urgency on that. I mean, you could I'll tell you what I, I say that if you want to free up some cap room. You could extend you Chris could Jones as soon as you, possible yep. and then get some of that 2023 money out of here. That, um, that's true. It, um, what do you think the odds are that we have we have something new to talk about around Chris Jones in the next week? I would still probably say that's. I think it's less than fifty fifty, um, <laughs> but but look, uh, real quick before we get to the next one, Veach did acknowledge today that at this time last year he was pretty confident that they were going to get a deal done with Tyreek Hill. 
Right. And then, and then the whole game changed. So he, yeah. he, if he learns from that lesson, he might want to get something done with Chris Jones sooner rather than later, which is why I'm, mm. I'm closer to like 50, 50, but I'm not all the way there yet. Uh, that's, I'm good with that. And so then what are the chances that we, uh, what are the chances zoomed out a little further that Orlando Brown ends up on a long-term contract? Just where just where you're at right now. I'm not going to come back and check your notes on this, but uh, or if you want to split it out to long-term contract, playing under the franchise tag, getting traded. Uh, I, I said this in, in my mailbag, and people should go check that out. Um, I think the ultimate conclusion is, um, for the sake of continuity and just sound business on all parties, Orlando Brown probably needs to be on a long-term deal and not playing on the franchise tag for a second straight year. It's so funny that you described it as like the potentially boring option yep. because locking up a, you know, how, and this is every conversation about Orlando Brown gets couched like 15 times. Yep. I almost just did it to say like, you know, even if you want to debate what a franchise left tackle is locking up your franchise left tackle for the next few years, seems like a good thing, but there's degrees to, to all of that. Um, and then uh, have you uh, eaten or uh, or had any diner establishment based <laughs> interactions uh, of note that can that can get us out of here unless you've already got a little vignette nah, in the show on. Uh, Chief I do, I do. MNCheeseFan.substack.com. Seth's got the Mahomes uh, Super Bowl film review up there, plus the Brett Veach story we talked about. Go to theathletic.com slash timesars if you're not a subscriber yet because Nate has been a machine so far in this um, off season. <laughs> off for who? Not for Nate. Uh, it, it's content out the wazoo there. Up, uh, up from Nate exclusively. I mean, not Nate exclusively, but specifically just from Nate, along with everything else you get from the athletic. Okay, there you go. There's your stuff. Uh, have you eaten anything delicious? And I can't wait for the vignette. Uh, love it. No, I haven't eaten anything uh, truly memorable yet. I, by the way, am not Peter Schrager. God, um, this guy. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, which, by the way. Uh, he, he had the shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo's. God, I can I can smell the horseradish right now. Um, <laughs> you know, little Harry and Izzy's might be in my in my purview in the next few days. Um, but yeah, like maybe tonight's the night. Maybe Wednesday night's the night. But God, man, steak and shake. It's gonna happen. You see really? me? Really? Let's go. You see me? I see you. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody loves the Prime 47 nightlife, the, you know, seeing nonsense at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or like, oh, my God, is that so- is that a scout? Clear the lane. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think I think Steak and Shake is in my future. Now, uh, for the vignette, I will have obviously several more in our next episode, because, again, the combine starts Pretty soon, it is. We have gone from dusk to night here in Indianapolis. So, I mean, the rumors are gonna be flying, and I cannot wait to hear all of them. But this afternoon, I decided to set up in a hotel lobby. Not gonna tell you the hotel, hotel lobby, downtown Indianapolis. Josh, I saw Jonathan Gannon. I saw him. Yeah. Saw him in the flesh, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Are you sure it was him? Yep. Did I want to go straight to this? Like, I wanted to put my headphones down, stop typing, stop doing the work. I wanted to beeline to this man. Now, I didn't, ladies and gentlemen, because I am a professional journalist. But I wanted to beeline to this man, throw up my fireworks hands and go pew, 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 pew. I just wanted to do it so bad. <laughs> Are you ready to get all these nine routes? Eight routes? Seven routes? I wanted to do it so bad in this hotel lobby. But again, I remained calm, cool, and professional. And it was nice to see that this man had at least, it appeared, moved on to his new job considering all the events that occurred in Super Bowl 57. We do not need to recount them for you. And then earlier, Josh, it happened. Oh, what? I got some intel. I saw I saw Spags. Uh, it was a nice exchange. I saw Tim Terry from the scouting department with 
five-hour energy drinks in hand. Excellent. Got to have them. Because what these guys do is they interview prospects up until about 11.30. Then they go out. And then they do work. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're asking me, Nate, what were you talking about? You ain't got to worry about that. Okay. (laughs) We just, they just trying to see what other teams out here doing. Okay. Who, what other teams talking to other agents? It's trying to do work. And then he came down in his all white Air Force Ones with a smooth gait. Caught me in the, caught me out of the corner of his eye. I took my headphones from my ears to my neck, and Andy Reid said, "You cranking away?" (laughs) And I said, "You know it." And then he just gave me one of those grins. (laughs) And then he, and then he was gone.